Section 52 of London Labour and the London Poor, Volume 2, by Henry Mayhew. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Gillian Hendry. The Street Orderlies, Part 4. Of the Jet and Hose System of Scavaging. There appears at the present time a bent in the public mind for an improved system of scavagery. Until the ravages of the cholera, in 1832 and again in 1848, roused the attention of the government and of the country, men seemed satisfied to dwell in dirty streets and to congratulate themselves that the public ways were dirtier in the days of their fathers, a feeling or a spirit which has no doubt existed in all cities from the days of those original scavagers, the vultures and hyenas of Africa and the East, the adjutants of Calcutta and the hawks, the common glades or kites of this country, and which we are told in the days of Henry the Eighth, used to fly down among the passengers to remove the offal of the butchers' and poulterers' stalls in the metropolitan markets, and in consideration of which services it was forbidden to kill them, down to the mechanical sweeping of the streets of London, and even to Mr. Cochrane's excellent street orderlies. Besides the plan suggested by Mr. Cochrane, whose orderlies cleanse the streets without wetting, and consequently without dirtying, the surface, by the use of their watering cart. There is the opposite method proposed by Mr. Lee of Sheffield, and other gentlemen, who recommend street cleansing by the hose and jet, that is to say, by flushing the streets with water at a high pressure, as the sewers are now flushed, and so by washing, rather than sweeping, the dirt of the streets into the sewers, through the momentum of the stream of water, dispensing altogether with the scavager's broom, shovel, and cart. In order to complete this account of the scavaging of the streets of London, I must in conclusion say a few words on this method, advocated as it is by the Board of Health, and sanctioned by scientific men. By the application of a hose, with a jet or water pipe attached to a fire plug, the water being at high pressure, a stream of fluid is projected along the street's surface with force enough to wash away, all before it, into the sewers, while by the same apparatus it can be thrown over the fronts of the houses. This mode of street cleansing prevails in some American cities, especially in Philadelphia, where the principal thoroughfares are said to be kept admirably clean by it, while the fronts of the houses are as bright as those in the towns of Holland, where they are washed, not by mechanical appliances, but by water thrown over them out of scoops, by hand labour, one of the instances of the minute and indefatigable industry of the Dutch. It is stated in one of the reports of the Board of Health that, quote, unless cleansing be general and simultaneous, much of the dirt of one district is carried by traffic into another. By the subdivision of the metropolis into small districts, the duty of cleansing the public carriageway is thrown upon a number of obscure and irresponsible authorities, while the duty of cleansing the public footways, which are no less important, are charged upon multitudes of private individuals. Note, the grammar is the Board of Health's grammar. End note. It is a false pecuniary economy in the case of the poorest inhabitants of court or alley who obtain their livelihood by any regular occupation, to charge upon each family the duty of cleansing the footway before their doors. The performance of this service daily 
at a rate of a penny per week per house or per family would be an economy in soap and clothes to persons the average value of whose time is never less than tuppence per hour End quote. Note, this is at the rate of two shillings a day did this most innocent board never hear of work yielding one shilling sixpence a week but the sanitary authorities seem to be as fond as teetotalers of going to extremes End note. In another part of the same report, the process and results are described. It is also stated that for the success of this method of street purification, the pavement must be good, for a powerful jet applied by the hose would scoop out hollows in unpaved places and also loosen and remove the stones in those that are badly paved. As every public place ought to be well paved, this necessity of new and good pavement is no reasonable objection to the plan, though it certainly admits of a question as to the durability of the roads, the macadamised especially, under this continual soaking. Sir Henry Parnell, the great road authority, speaks of wet as the main destroyer of the highways. It is stated in the report, after the mention of experiments having been made by Mr. Lovick, Mr. Hale and Mr. Lee, Mr. Lee being one of the engineering inspectors of the board, that, quote, Mr. Lovick, at the instance of the Metropolitan Commissioners of Sewers, conducted his experiments with such jets as could be obtained from the water company's mains in eligible places, but the pressure was low and insufficient. Nevertheless, it appeared that, taking the extra quantity of water required at the actual expense of pumping, the paved surfaces might be washed clean at one-half the price of the scavager's manual labour in sweeping. Mr. Lee's trials were made at Sheffield with the aid of a more powerful and suitable pressure, and he found that with such pressure as he obtained, the cleansing might be effected in one-third the time, and at one-third the usual expense, of the scavager's labour of sweeping the surface with the broom. Note, this expense varies, and the board nowhere states at what rate it is computed, the scavenger's wages varying 100%. The effect of this mode of cleansing in close courts and streets, it is further stated, was found to be peculiarly grateful in hot weather. The water was first thrown up and diffused in a thin sheet. It was then applied rapidly to cleansing the surface and the side walls, as well as the pavements. End quote. Mr. Lovick states that the immediate effect of this operation was to lower the temperature and to produce a sense of freshness similar to that experienced after a heavy thunder shower in hot weather. But there is nothing said as to the probable effect of this state of things in winter, a hard frost for instance. The same expedient was resorted to for cooling the yards and outer courts of hospitals and the shower thrown on the windows of the wards afforded great relief. Mr. Lovick, in his report on the trial works for cleansing courts, states, quote, The importance of water as an agent in the improvement and preservation of health being in proportion to the unhealthiness or depressed condition of districts, its application to close courts and densely populated localities in which a low sanitary condition must obtain, is of primary importance. Having shown the practicability of applying this system, cleansing by jets of water, to the general cleansing of the streets, 
My further labours have been, and are now, directed to this end. For the purpose of ascertaining the effect produced by operations of this nature upon the atmosphere, two courts were selected, Church Passage, New Compton Street, open at both ends, with a carriageway in the centre and footway on each side, and Lloyd's Court, Crown Street, St Giles's, a close court with at one entrance a covered passage about forty feet in length. Both courts were in a very filthy condition. In Church Passage there were dead, decaying cats and fish, with awful straw and refuse scattered over the surface. At one end an entrance to a private yard was used as urinal. In every part there were most offensive smells. Lloyd's Court was in a somewhat similar condition, the covered entrance being used as a general urinal, presenting a disgusting appearance. The whole atmosphere of the court was loaded with highly offensive effluvia. In the covered entrance this was more particularly discernible. The property of water, as an absorbent, was rendered strikingly apparent in the immediate and marked effects of its application, a purity and freshness remarkably contrasted to the former close and foul condition prevailing throughout. A test of this, striking and unexpected, was the change at different periods in the relative condition of atmosphere of the courts and of the contiguous streets. In their ordinary condition, as might have been expected, the atmosphere was purer in the streets than in the courts. It was to be inferred that the cleansing would have more nearly assimilated these conditions. This was not only the case, but it was found to have effected a complete change, the atmosphere of the courts at the close of the operations being far fresher and purer than the atmosphere of the streets. The effect produced was in every respect satisfactory and complete, and was the theme of conversation with the lookers-on and with the men who conducted the operations. The expense of these operations, including water, would be for church passage, time five minutes, one pence halfpenny, Lloyd's Court, time ten minutes, threepence and a farthing. Mr. Hale, another officer, gave a similar statement. End quote. Other experiments are thus detailed. Quote, Lasalle Court, Broad Street, St. Giles. This court was pointed out to me as one of the worst in London. Before cleansing, it smelt intolerable, sick and looked disgusting. Besides an abundance of ordinary filth arising from the exposure of refuse, the surface of the court contained heaps of human excrement, there being only one privy to the whole court, and that not in a state to be publicly used. The cleansing operations were commenced by sprinkling the court with deodorizing fluid, mixed with twenty times its volume of water. A great change from a very pungent odour to an imperceptible smell, was immediately effected, after which the refuse of the court was washed away, and the pavement thoroughly cleansed by the hose and jet. And now this place, which before was in a state almost indescribable, presented an appearance of comparative comfort and respectability. End quote. It is stated as a result of another experiment, in an ordinary wide street with plenty of traffic, that water-carts and ordinary rains only create the mud which the jet entirely removes, giving to the pavement the appearance of having been as thoroughly cleansed as the private stone steps in front of the houses. 
With respect to Mr. Lee's experiments in Sheffield, I find that Messrs. Guest of Rotherham are patentees of a tap for the discharge of water at high pressures, and that they had adapted their invention to the purpose of a fire-plug and standpipe suitable for street cleansing by the hose and jet. Church Street, one of the principal thoroughfares, was experimentally cleansed by this process. The carriageway is from 20 to 24 feet wide and about 150 yards long. It was washed almost as clean as a house floor in five minutes. Mr. Lee expresses his conviction that by the agency of the hose and jet, every street in that populous borough might be cleansed at about one shilling per annum for each house. The principal thoroughfares, he states, could be thus made perfectly clean three times every week, before business hours, and the minor streets and lanes twice or once per week, at later hours in the day, by the agency of an abundant supply of water, at less than half the sum necessary for the cartage alone of an equal quantity of refuse in a solid or semi-fluid condition. The highways most frequented in Sheffield constitute about one-half of the whole extent of the streets and roads in the borough, measuring 47 miles. This length, Mr. Lee computes, might be effectually cleansed with the hose and jet, 10 miles of it three times a week, 21 miles twice a week, and 16 miles once a week, a total of 88 miles weekly, or 4,576 miles yearly. The quantity of water required would be 3,000 gallons a mile, or a yearly total of 13,728,000 gallons. This water might be supplied, Mr. Lee opines, at a penny per thousand gallons, 57 pounds 4 shillings per annum, although the price obtained by the Waterworks Company was sixpence halfpenny per thousand gallons. Three hundred and seventy one pounds sixteen shillings per annum. I now proceed, he says, to the cost of labour. Four thousand five hundred and seventy six miles per annum is equal to fourteen and two fifths miles for each working day, or to six sets of two men cleansing two and a half miles per day each set. To these must be added three horses and carts, and three carters for the removal of such debris as cannot be washed away, and for such parts of the town as cannot be cleansed by this system, making a total of 15 men. Their wages I would fix at £50 per annum each. The estimate is as follows. Annual interest upon the first cost of hose and pipes, three horses and carts, £30. 15 men's wages, £750. Three horses provender, one hundred and fifty pounds. Wear, tear, and depreciation of hose and so on, two hundred and fifty pounds. Management and incidentals, say one hundred and twenty pounds. Total, one thousand three hundred pounds. The estimate, it will be seen, is based on the supposition that the water supply should be at the public cost and not a specific charge for the purposes of street cleansing. The 47 miles of highway of Sheffield is but three miles less than those of the City of London, the cost of cleansing which is, according to the estimate before given, no less than £18,000. 
The Sheffield account is divested of all calculations as to house dust and ashes, and the charge for watering carts. But taking merely the sum paid to scavenging contractors, and assigning £1,000 out of the £2,485, as a proportion of salaries and so on under the Department of Scavagery in the management of the City Commissioners, we find that while the expense of street cleansing by the Sheffield Hose and Jet was little more than £34 in London by the ordinary mode, it was upwards of £140 per mile, or more than four times as much. The hose and jet system is said to have washed the streets of Sheffield as clean as a house floor, which could not be said of it in London. The streets of the city, it should also be borne in mind, are now swept daily. Mr. Lee proposes only a periodical cleaning for Sheffield, or once, twice and thrice a week. Of the cost of the experiments made in London with the hose and jet, in LaSalle Court and so on, nothing is said. Street cleansing by the hose and jet is then, as yet, but an experiment. It has not, like the street orderly mode, been tested continuously or systematically. But the experiments are so curious, and sometimes so startling in their results, that it was necessary to give a brief account of them here, in order to render this account of the cleansing of the streets of the metropolis as comprehensive as possible. For my own part, I must confess, the street orderly system appears to excel all other modes of scavagery, producing at once the greatest cleanliness with the greatest employment to the poor. Nor am I so convinced as the theoretic and crotchety board of health as to the healthfulness of dampness or the daily evaporation of a sheet of even clean water equal in extent to the entire surface of the London streets. It is certainly doubtful, to say the least, whether so much additional moisture might improve the public health, which the board are instituted to protect. Rain certainly contributes to cleanliness, and yet no one would advocate continued wet weather as a source of general convalescence. I shall conclude this account of the scavenging of London with the following brief statement as to the mode in which these matters are conducted abroad. In Paris, where our system of parochial legislation and management is unknown, the scavenging of the streets, so frequently matters of private speculation with us, is under the immediate direction of the municipality, and the government publish the returns, as they do of the revenue of their capital from the abattoirs, the interments, and other sources. In the Moniteur, for December 10th, 1848, it is stated that the refuse of the streets of Paris sells for 500,500 francs, 20,020 pounds, when sold by auction in the mass, and 3,800,000 francs, equal to 152,000 pounds, when, after having lain in the proper receptacles until fit for manure, it is sold by the cubic foot. In 1823, the streets of Paris were leased for 75,000 francs, 3,000 pounds per annum. In 1831, the value was 166,000 francs, 6,640 pounds, and since 1845, the price has risen to the sum first named, namely 500,500 francs, 20,020 pounds, from which, however, is to be deducted the expense of cleansing and so on. 
I may add that the receptacles alluded to are large places provided by government, where the manure is deposited and left to ferment for 12 or 18 months. Of the cost and traffic of the streets of London. I have at page 183 of the present volume given a brief statement of the annual cost attending the keeping of the streets of the metropolis in working order. The formation of the streets of a capital like London, the busiest in the world, streets traversed daily by what Cooper, even in his day, described as the 10,000 wheels of commerce, is an elaborate and costly work. In my former account, I gave an estimate which referred to the amount dispensed weekly in wages for the labour of the workmen engaged in laying down the paved roads of the metropolis. This was at the rate of £100,000 per week, that is to say, calculating the operation of relaying the streets to occupy one year in every five. There is no less than £5,200,000 expended in that time among the workpeople so engaged. The sum expended in labour for the continued repairs of the roads, after being so relayed, appears to be about £20,000 per week. Note, at page 183, the sum of £18,225 is said to be expended in repairs annually. It should have been weekly. End note. Or, in round numbers, about £1,000,000 a year so that the gross sum annually dispersed to the labourers engaged in the construction of the roads of London would seem to be about £2,250,000, that is to say £1,000,000 for repairing the old roads and £1,250,000 per annum for laying down new ones in their place. It now remains for me to set forth the gross cost of the Metropolitan Highways that is to say, the sum annually expended in both labour and materials, as well for relaying as for repairing the roads. The granite-built streets cost, when relayed, about £11,000 the mile, of 10 yards width, which is at the rate of 12 shillings sixpence the square yard, materials and labour included, the granite, Aberdeen, being £1.5 shillings per tonne, and one tonne of 7-inch, being sufficient to cover about three square yards. The average cost of a macadamised road, materials and labour included, if constructed from the foundation, is about £4,400 per street mile, ten yards wide. Five shillings the superficial yard being a fair price for materials and labour. Wood pavement, on the other hand, costs about £9,680 a mile of ten yards width for materials and labour, which is at the rate of 11 shillings the superficial yard. The cost of repairs, materials and labour included, is, for granite pavement, about a penny halfpenny per square yard, or £100 the street mile of 10 yards wide. For macadam, it is from sixpence to three shillings sixpence, or an average of one shilling sixpence per superficial yard which is at the rate of £1,320 the street mile, while the wood pavement costs about the same for repairs as the granite. The total cost of repairing the streets of London, then, may be taken as follows. Repairing granite-built streets, per mile of 10 yards wide, £100. Repairing macadamised roads, per street mile, 
1,320 pounds. Repairing wood pavement per street mile, 100 pounds. Or, as a total for all London, repairing 400 miles of granite-built streets at 100 pounds per mile, 40,000 pounds. Repairing 1,350 miles of macadamised streets at £1,320 per mile, £1,782,000. Repairing 5 miles of wood at £100 per mile, £500. Total £1,822,500. The following, on the other hand, may be taken as the total cost of reconstructing the London streets. Granite-built streets per mile 10 yards wide, £11,000. Macadamised streets per street mile, £4,400. Wood streets per street mile, £9,680. Or, as a total for the entire streets and roads of London, Relaying 400 miles of granite-built streets at £11,000 per mile, £4,400,000. Relaying 1,350 miles of macadamised streets at £4,400 per mile, £5,940,000. Relaying 5 miles of wood-built streets at £9,680, £48,400. Total ten million three hundred and eighty-eight thousand four hundred pounds. But the above refers only to the road, and besides this, there is, as a gentleman to whom I am much indebted for valuable information on the subject, reminds me, the foot paving, granite curb, and granite channel not included. The usual price for paving is eightpence per foot superficial when laid. Granite curb one shilling sevenpence per foot run, and granite channel twelve shillings per square yard. Now, presuming that three fourths of the roads, says my informant, have paved footpaths on each side at an average width of six feet, exclusive of curb, and that one half of the macadamised roads have granite channels on each side, and that one third of all the roads have granite curb on each side. These items for 400 miles of granite road, 1,350 macadamised, and 5 miles of wood, together 1,755 miles, will therefore amount to 3 fourths of 1,755 miles of streets paved on each side, 6 feet wide, at 8 pence per foot superficial, 2,779,392 pounds one-half of 1,350 miles of macadamised roads, with one foot of granite channel on each side at 12 shillings per yard square, £458,537, 4 shillings, 5 pence. One-third of 1,755 miles of road with granite curb on each side at 1 shilling 7 pence per foot run, four hundred and eighty nine thousand and sixty pounds total three million seven hundred and twenty six thousand nine hundred and eighty nine pounds four shillings five pence cost of constructing one thousand seven hundred and fifty five miles of roadway ten million three hundred and eighty eight thousand four hundred pounds 
total cost of constructing the streets of London, 14,115,389 pounds, 4 shillings, 5 pence. Accordingly, the original cost of the metropolitan pavements exceeds 14 millions sterling, and calculating that this requires renewal every five years, the gross annual expenditure will be at the rate of £2,500,000 per annum, which, added to the £1,822,500, gives £4,322,500, or upwards of four millions and a quarter sterling, for the entire annual cost of the London roadways. From rather extensive experience, adds my informant, in building operations, and consequently in making and paying for roads, I am of opinion that the amount I have shown is under, rather than above, the actual cost. In a great many parts of the metropolis, the roads are made by the servants of a body of commissioners appointed for the purpose, and from dear-bought experience I can say they are a public nuisance, and would earnestly caution speculating builders against taking building ground or erecting houses in any place where the roads are under their control. The commissioners are generally old retired tradesmen, and have very little to occupy their attention, and are often quite ignorant of their duties. I have reason to believe, too, that some of them even use their little authority to gratify their dislike to some poor builder in their district, by meddling and quibbling, and while that is going on, the houses which have been erected can neither be let nor sold, so that, as the bills given for the materials keep running, the builder, when they fall due, is ruined, for his creditors will not take his unlet houses for their debts, and no one else will purchase them until let, for none will rent them, without proper accesses. I feel certain that in those parts where the roads are made by commissioners, three times more builders, in proportion to their number, get into difficulties than in the districts where they are permitted to make the roads themselves. The paved ways and roads of London, then, it appears, cost in round numbers £10 million sterling, and require nearly £2 million to be expended upon them annually for repairs. But this is not the sole expense attendant upon the construction of the streets of the metropolis. Frequently, in the formation of new lines of thoroughfare, Large masses of property have to be bought up, removed, and new buildings erected at considerable cost. In a return made pursuant to an order of the Court of Common Council, dated 23rd October 1851, for, quote, an account of all monies which have been raised for public works executed, buildings erected, or street improvements effected, out of the coal duties receivable by the Corporation of London, in the character of trustees for administration or otherwise, since the same were made chargeable by Parliament for such purposes in the year 1766. The following items are given relating to the cost of the formation of new streets and improvements of old ones. Street improvements forming new thoroughfares. Building the bridge across the River Thames from Blackfriars in the City of London to Upper Ground Street, in the county of Surrey, now called Blackfriars Bridge, and forming the avenues thereto, and embanking the north abutment of the said bridge, entrusted to the Corporation of the City of London. Amount raised for public works, and so on, 
two hundred and ten thousand pounds. Making a new line of streets from Moorfields, opposite Chiswell Street, towards the east into Bishopsgate Street, now Crown Street and Sun Street, also from the east end of Chiswell Street, westward into Barbican, Corporation of the City of London, £16,500. Making a new street from Crispin Street, near Spitalfields Church, into Bishopsgate Street, now called Union Street, in the City of London and in the County of Middlesex, Commissioners named in Act 18, George III, C. 78, £9,000. Opening communications between Wapping Street and Ratcliffe Highway and between Old Gravel Lane and Virginia Street, all in the County of Middlesex, Commissioners appointed under Act 17, George III, C. 22, £1,000. Formation of Farringdon Street, removal of Fleet Market and erection of Farringdon Market in the City of London, Corporation of the City of London, £250,000. Formation of a new street from the end of Coventry Street to the junction of Newport Street and Longacre, Cranbourne Street, continuing the line of street from Waterloo Bridge, already completed to Bow Street, Upper Wellington Street, and thence northward into Broad Street, Holborn, and thence to Charlotte Street, Bloomsbury, extending Oxford Street in a direct line through St Giles's, so as to communicate with Holborn at or near Southampton Street, New Oxford Street, also widening the northern and southern extremities of Lemon Street, Goodman's Fields, and forming a new street from the northern side of Whitechapel to the front of Spitalfields Church, Commercial Street, and forming a new street from Rosemary Lane to East Smithfield, near to the entrance of the London Docks, also formation of a street from the neighbourhood of the Houses of Parliament towards Buckingham Palace in the city of Westminster, Victoria Street, all in the county of Middlesex, also formation of a line of new street between Southwark and Westminster Bridges in the county of Surrey, Her Majesty's Commissioners of Woods, Forests and Land Revenues, £665,000. Note, the Commissioners of Her Majesty's Woods have been authorised to raise further monies on the credit of the duty of a penny per tonne for further improvements in the neighbourhood of Spitalfields, but the Chamberlain is not officially cognisant of the amount. End note. Forming a new street from the northern end of Victoria Street, Holborn, formed by the Corporation to Clerkenwell Green, all in the county of Middlesex, Clerkenwell Improvement Commissioners, £25,000. Formation of a new line of streets from King William Street, London Bridge, to the south side of St Paul's Cathedral, by widening and improving Cannon Street, making a new street from Cannon Street near Bridge Row to Queen Street, and another street from the west side of Queen Street, in a direct line to St Paul's Churchyard, and widening Queen Street from the junction of the said new street to Southwark Bridge, also improving Holborn Bridge and Field Lane, and effecting an improvement in Gracechurch Street and Ship Tavern Passage, all in the City of London, Corporation of the City of London, £500,000. Finishing the new street left incomplete by the Clerkenwell Improvement Commissioners from the end of Victoria Street, Farringdon Street, to Coppice Row, Clerkenwell, all in the county of Middlesex, 
Corporation of the City of London, £88,000. Total cost of forming the above-mentioned new thoroughfares, £1,764,500. Improving existing thoroughfares. Improving existing approaches and forming new approaches to New London Bridge, namely in High Street, Tooley Street, Montague Close, Pepper Alley, Whitehorse Court, Checker Court, Chaingate, Churchyard Passage, St Saviour's Churchyard, Carter Lane, Boar's Head Place, Frying Pan Alley, Green Dragon Court, Joyner Street, Red Lion Street, Counter Street, Three Crown Court, and the east front of the Town Hall, all in the borough of Southwark. Also ground and premises at the northwest foot of London Bridge, Upper Thames Street, Red Cross Wharf, Malt's Wharf, High Timber Street, and Broken Wharf, Swan Passage, Churchyard Alley, site of Fishmongers Hall, Great Eastcheap, Little Eastcheap, Starcourt, Fish Street Hill, Little Tower Street, Idle Lane, St Mary at Hill, Crooked Lane, Miles Lane, Three Tan Alley, Warren Court, Cannon Street, Gracechurch Street, Bell Yard, Martins Lane, Nicholas Lane, Clements Lane, Abchurch Lane, Sherburne Lane, Swithins Lane, Cornhill, Lombard Street, Dove Court, Fox Ordinary Court, Old Post Office Chambers, Mansion House Street, Prince's Street, Coleman Street, Coleman Street Buildings, Moorgate Street, London Wall, Lothbury, Tokenhouse Yard, King's Arms Yard, Great Bell Alley, Packers Court, White's Alley, Great Swan Alley, Crown Court, George Yard, Red Lion Court, Catetan Street, Gresham Street, Milk Street, Wood Street, King Street, Basinghall Street, Houndsditch, Lad Lane, Threadneedle Street, Aldgate High Street, and Maiden Lane, all in the City of London, Corporation of the City of London. £1,016,421.18 shillings and a penny. Widening and improving the entrance into London near Temple Bar, improving the Strand and Fleet Street, and formation of Pickett Street, and for making a new street from the east end of Snow Hill to the bottom of Holborn Hill, now called Skinner Street, Corporation of the City of London, £246,300. Widening and improving Dirty Lane and part of Brick Lane, leading from Whitechapel to Spitalfields, and for paving Dirty Lane, Petticoat Lane, Wentworth Street, Old Montague Street, Chapel Street, Princess Row, and so on, all in the county of Middlesex. Commissioners appointed by the Act 18, George III, C. 80. £1,500. Widening the avenues from the Minories through Goodman's Yard into Prescott Street, and through Swan Street and Swan Alley into Mansell Street, and from Whitechapel through Somerset Street into Great Mansell Street, all in the county of Middlesex, commissioners named in Act 18, George III, C. 50. £1,500. Total cost of improving the above-mentioned thoroughfares, £1,265,721, 18 shillings and a penny. Paving. Paving the road from Aldergate Bars to Turnpike in Goswell Street, in the County of Middlesex. Commissioners, sewers and so on of the City of London. £5,500. 
completing the paving of the town borough of Southwark and certain parts adjacent, commissioners for executing Act 6, George III, for paving town and borough of Southwark, £4,000. Total cost of paving the above-mentioned thoroughfares, £9,500. Hence, the aggregate expense of the preceding improvements has been upwards of three million pounds sterling. I have now, in order to complete this account of the cost of paving and cleansing the thoroughfares of the metropolis, only to add the following statement as to the traffic of the principal thoroughfares in the City of London, for which I am indebted to Mr. Haywood, the City Surveyor. By the subjoined return, it will be seen that there are two tides, as it were, in the daily current of locomotion in the city, the one being at its flood at 11 o'clock a.m., after which it falls gradually till 2 o'clock, when it is at its lowest ebb, and then begins to rise gradually till 5 o'clock, when it reaches its second flood, and then again begins to decline once more. The point of greatest traffic in the city is London Bridge, where the conveyances passing and repassing amount to 13,099 in the course of 12 hours. Note, at page 185, the traffic of London Bridge is stated to be 13,000 conveyances per hour instead of per 12 hours. End note. Of these, it would appear that 9,351 consist of one-horse vehicles and equestrians, 3,389 of two-horse conveyances, and only 359 of vehicles drawn by more than two horses. The one-horse vehicles would seem to be between two and three times as many as the two-horse, which form about one-fourth of the whole, while those drawn by more than two horses constitute about one-sixtieth of the entire number. The return does not mention the state of the weather on the several days and hours at which the observations were made, nor does it tell us whether there was any public event occurring on those days which was likely to swell or diminish the traffic beyond its usual proportions. The table, moreover, it should be remembered, is confined to the observations of only one day in each locality, so that we must be guarded in receiving that which records a mere accidental set of circumstances as an example of the general course of events. It would have been curious to have extended the observations throughout the night, and so have ascertained the difference in the traffic, and also to have noted the decrease in the number of vehicles passing during a continuously wet as well as a showery day. The observations should be further carried out to different seasons in order to be rendered of the highest value. Mr. Haywood and the city authorities would really be conferring a great boon on the public by so doing. End of section 52